Hello and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignot, CEO of the Cultural Communications Agency, D-Flash. Each episode, I bring a different business leader who's doing some great game-changing work. And I'm super excited to have Lon Shulkin, who's the CEO of BAM Strategy, and he's coming in from Canada. So we're going to have a great conversation about how he got to start, what he's up to now, and where he's going in the future. Take a listen. Hey, Lon. Hey, Laura. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Delighted to have you join. So I'm sure if you've heard the podcast, you know what the first question is going to be. It's always the same. Always fascinated by the answer. 200 and odd episodes later, I'm still always fascinated by the answer folks come up with. So, Lon, what was your first job? So, um, I listened to a bunch of your podcasts and I also love the answers. And uh, my first job uh was actually working in my father's warehouse so my dad uh he was the president of a tool manufacturing company so like screwdrivers and levels and hammers and um one summer after having gone to summer camp for many years of my life i actually decided to stay home in the city and work in my father's warehouse and uh that was quite the experience. We, uh, we you learned. Tell. Yeah. <laughs> so first of all, I, I actually started working on the night shift for some odd reason. Um, <laughs> okay. And, uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't treated very special. Um, even though I was the president's son and learned how to do everything from, from driving the little trucks around the warehouse and, and picking tools for, to be packaged, to be sent to customers. And, he would sell tools to companies like Home Depot and, and Lowe's and uh, uh, just got to understand that that manufacturing life, which I had never been exposed to. Uh, so it was really hard work, I must say, is, is working in a warehouse where uh, you're doing uh, a lot of manual labor and a lot of uh, repetitive tasks, I'd say. So there's times where I was working on putting screwdrivers in, in a package, for instance. And you do that for eight hours straight. Uh, it's really hard work, and uh, I have a lot more respect for for everyone who does that than you know than I would have if I had not tried that. Yeah, those are. The, I mean, that's why it's you know, it's always fascinating hearing what folks decide to pick as a job they want to talk about as their first job, and it, it always is something where it, it leaves this indelible mark on you in terms of like hard work, um, seeing other perspectives. You know, getting a chance to kind of see from the ground up where how things come to be, and it comes with super handy for the rest of your career. A hundred percent. I always tell the story of I guess my biggest lesson from that time was really actually observing my father interacting with people in the in the actual warehouse and how he treated people. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that shaped my career is is. Uh, understanding that no matter what your level is, no matter how much money you make, no matter what kind of person you are, um, seeing my dad, you know, talk about sports and joke around with uh, someone who is working in the warehouse or, you know, just packing tools into a package um, was, I guess, eye opening for me at a young age of, of just how to treat people and how to uh, get people's respect and give people respect. And so, I think that really shaped even where we are today at, at BAM, but also a lot of other parts of my career and my life. Awesome. So 
we go from doing the overnight shifts um, to now being CEO. What was that career journey like? I'm sure there's lots of good twists and turns in there. There's a few. Um, <laughs> I actually uh, like a lot of, um, I'll say, young men coming out of, out of university decided I wanted to work in sports. And so I think that's a, a pretty cliche thing for, for guys to want to do. Um, but I decided I would call every sports team uh, in the U.S., to try and get an internship. And I, I was turned down many, many times actually. And, but I, I got lucky enough to actually land an internship with the New York Islanders that was unpaid. So I called them and they said, sure, if you wanna come here and not be paid, um, you're welcome to. <laughs> and so again, wow. being, being, yeah. So this was, um, I guess, nine, when was it? 1999, I think. No, it was earlier. Yeah, around then. So, so late '90s, um, the Islanders were not a great time, team at the time, and uh, I moved to New York. And I had uh, some friends from Michigan, and I decided, even though I'm going for an unpaid internship, I'm going to commit to some really expensive rent and uh, commit to a 12 months in in Manhattan, um, and figure it out from there. <laughs> So I, uh, I, I packed up and came, came to New York and actually ended up working for the Islanders just for that summer. Oh, wow. So I, I, sorry, I didn't end up getting a job with them. I was an intern there. Um, I didn't see that going anywhere in all honesty. It was, it was actually really eye-opening because as glor glamorous as sports seem, uh, it was pretty evident that it wasn't the best culture and work environment at the time, and people actually didn't love their job. Um, and so, even though you're you're there in what sounds like a dream job, the the company it sucks. Yeah, it sucked. It really it really wasn't great. And that's when I started looking around, and uh, that was my first taste of digital marketing, which is what I'm in today. In that, I landed in in an upstart digital marketing agency called Beyond Interactive, which is one of the first, I'd say, big digital agencies out there. It was uh, eventually acquired by Gray Advertising, which is part of WPP. Um, and I was in a real startup environment. And this is before the dot, this is during the dot-com boom. So we, we, you know, we're having all those parties and enjoying the glory of the dot-com boom until the dot-com bust. <laughs> and um, remember the day that uh, the company had to lay off hundreds of people and I was luckily not one of those but um, just the pain around seeing all your friends go and um, I guess again another really great learning lesson of, of you know how to how to manage through that even though I wasn't a manager at the time um, just observing how how the company dealt with that and I think did a really good job at placing people and trying to help them into their next career and finding jobs for them in the gray network. I remember a good friend of mine ended up getting a job inside the gray network that he had for a long time. And, um, you know, so that, that was a great experience. And then eventually I decided to, that I was going to do my MBA. And so I, uh, was in New York living downtown actually during nine 11, and that was sort of the prompt as many, I think had life changing events during that, that moment. But uh, that was the prompt for me to say, okay, 
time to move, uh, time to move on. And uh, I ended up coming back to Canada and went to do my MBA at, uh, in, in London, Ontario at the Richard Ivey School of Business. And that sort of paved the path for me to end up in Toronto, end up um, working for Bell Canada. And then I worked for an employee loyalty company uh, called Rito Recognition. And at that company really started learning about how companies should be treating employees because that's what we were selling is the really solutions for treating employees well. Uh, and eventually decided that I wanted to get into really running my own business and um, connected with uh, the founder of BAM, Chris Emergy, who, uh, you know, we, we figured out how I could join him and the rest is history. Here I am. You know, you've been at um, BAM for quite some time. And in our industry, folks bounce from agency to agency to agency, like snapping your fingers. What makes you stay? Um, I guess, I mean, first of all, I came, I came in. One of the things I was looking for was, was to really be an owner of a company. So when I was leaving Rito, um, that's one of the things that, that was really important to me. And so that's obviously one of the reasons I'm still here is that I'm, I'm one of the owners of the company. Um, so that's you know obviously not the main reason for staying. Um, there's certainly lots of reasons I love it here. I think first the culture Chris set out to build originally um, was that one that really came from his heart. And then I think our styles really meshed well because we have this uh, really deep, genuine focus on on caring for people. And that has made it after 11 years now, a lot of fun every day. <laughs> um, there have been challenges obviously, but uh, in general, I think for me, it, it, it fulfills me on, on uh, just having great relationships and, and uh, being able to show that care for people and uh, building friendships, whether with employees or our customers or partners, et cetera. So that's, that's I guess, what keeps driving me on a daily basis. Awesome. So. We all had a very crazy year last year. How did you all adapt in the land of COVID? And you know, one day everything's normal, the next day the whole world shuts down. Yeah, this has been interesting. Uh, Eighteen months, right? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think every person can say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think every person can say they've had uh, some sort of a mental health issue or dealt with one. Um, every person has probably had a career issue and a family issue. Um, what a, what a crazy 18 months we've had. BAM itself, I think, um, you know, lucky or good. We were certainly very fortunate in that, uh, we had been growing quite well right before COVID and the kinds of clients we had really. I wouldn't say they're COVID proof. I think they, they, they had tremendous challenges, um, but their product demand did not get um, hugely hit on in most cases. I'm sure any client who's going to listen to this is going to disagree with me. <laughs> so we, we, unlike several ad agencies did not see major budget cuts and we did not see. Wow. Yeah, so we, I think we were just very fortunate in the rise of e-commerce, the dependence on, on the web and digital, and we were in the right place for that um, with growing strong clients that allowed us to really weather that. So that, that set us up 
um, really well and very fortunately and I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that we were in that position. Um, the second thing is, is that we for many years have invested a ton in culture and, and I think a lot of people say people are important. Uh, we really have put things like leadership programs and overinvested possibly in, in the amount of HR people we have. And like I said earlier, this genuine care piece that I think we've done a good job, um, not just living from a leadership standpoint, but, but truly hiring people who care and who fit our culture uh, helped us do actually tremendously well during during the pandemic, during lockdowns and, and things of that nature. And, and in Canada, where most of our people are less now since COVID, because we've been able to hire anywhere, but um, in Canada, uh, the lockdowns were much more extreme also and, and longer lasting. And so, um, you know, we depended on each other to support each other. And, and there were incredible moments that that we saw happening on a daily basis whether it was teams meeting just to check on each other at first teams were meeting twice a day like beginning and end to check in with each other and make sure people were okay there were sing-alongs happening literally like people jamming on zoom <laughs> and um and you know we started doing things like dropping like going in person and dropping packages at people's houses so we would go and just I mean, there's a ton of employees I haven't met in person. And so that those were opportunities to, I guess, ring a doorbell. We'd keep our distance, but they would come to the door and at least we could we could wave and, and give them something and say hello and, and try and make that human connection. And so, um, again, not without its struggles for sure, but I think we weathered it and have continued to weather it really well. We're actually, our office is actually not opened. We're opening, uh, optionally opening for next, next week, actually. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, it's it's cool to see because like so many companies were just like, what do we do? And it was like, well, <laughs> first of all, is your culture okay? Because if your culture is okay, then, you know, obviously this is you know dramatic, but that would be the way to kind of put one foot in front of the other and, and help and help guide um, because it's about the people at the end of the day. And if they feel that they're supported and there's a, a high degree of empathy coming from leadership, then, you know, you'll, you'll find your way. I mean, I could not agree more. Um, I think my team gets annoyed at me because uh, I talk so much more about culture than about what we do. <laughs> um, but I just, that's, you know, after being in business, I grew up in a, a business family, uh, you know, s- witnessing so much on the formal business side doing my business degree and learning all the different models and formalities. And then ultimately I'm coming out on, I I guess, mid-career or at a point in my career where so much, I mean, much more than 50%, I won't give an exact number, is just how we treat people and how we motivate people through actually caring about them. Uh, And when you do that and when you actually can surround yourself with other people who believe in that it's it's magical absolutely amazing what can happen it well i think you know and you know part of the reason i was really psyched to have you is because like you know i think they also need to see more leaders who look like you who say this um because you know it's all well and good that i say it it's all well to say more women leaders say it but when we have more male leaders who talk about culture and talk about caring and talk about empathy, that's when people start paying attention. 
because I think that, you know, that's, it's just the nature of our industry. And so the more honest leaders, leaders like you can be like, no, that's, this is how we have to do this. Otherwise we don't have a future as a business is so key, especially at this moment. A hundred percent. You know, we are, we're challenging ourselves on, on diversity and inclusion and figuring out exactly uh, what our approach is because you know our discussion in the last week has been that we we get it from a cultural standpoint but how do we actually formalize those things and I think there's a lot of learning that we need to do as far as figuring out like what does that look like how do you actually implement those practices versus you know so I'd say if you if you if we if you came in here and audited our diversity um practices our inclusion practices equality practices I think we'd do really well on the audit but that's, uh, I don't think that's enough. I think leaders need to continue to figure out like how do they actually, you know, treat it like any other process that they would do. Like we build a website, we have a way of doing that, <laughs> um, and and make sure some of those soft practices, those caring practices, actually become um, hard processes and things that can be sustainable and aren't just sort of flavor of the moment. And that's a really key, important um, focus for us. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, and I, well, the, the first step of all this, what I always say about is to listen to everyone and hear what they actually have I mean, to say um, and understand that it's, it, this, this is not gonna solve, be solved in a day. This is not gonna solve with being confrontational. It's meeting people where they're where they are and then having honest conversations about it because the world's changed. And as a result of that, it requires a different level of empathy and caring and understanding. But if, you, if you're starting at zero, it's gonna be a lot, a lot harder than if you're already at like a 50. And it sounds like you guys are above 50. And I just, you know, I just, I had just done an interview that um, I posted and I basically, I. I either wrote it there or somewhere else, but essentially I wrote that um, people are gonna be successful or companies are gonna be successful when they realize that the people are more important than the company. And I think that's probably the biggest change is that when someone tells me that they're going through something in their life, I, I really would rather them put that, that item before they put our company. Um, I really truly believe that each person's life journey experience is way more important than anything we're doing here at BAM. Um, and it's just, again, it's making sure that we are aligned with everyone else in the company that they feel that way. And it's, I mean, I'm still amazed that we've achieved this culture or that we are achieving. I don't think it's over. So that we're, we're at this place where I think people who don't fit really stick out like a sore thumb. Um, and it just becomes very evident that it's that it's they don't that it's not going to work because they don't necessarily have that same view of of putting people first. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I was talking to someone recently, and they were, I was explaining to them how you know our, our, my agency came to be, and I was like, well, you know, one of the things we did was I just like created something that I wanted to be a part of, and I wanted people to feel good about it. And what was shocking to us was that like when we did that, people were like, can you do that for us? Because we have no idea how to even do this. And, and so it is this thing about like, how do you actually build a culture? How do you build a culture that is inclusive? 
and feels good. Um, and it's one step at a time and brick by brick. Yeah, for sure. Um, it is, it is not as easy as, um, you know, just putting a, a stamp on your door that says you, you include everyone. Um, yeah, with a commitment to diversity, it's mm -hmm. our core values. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We go through uh, mission vision practiced and wrote down our seven values and <laughs> it's on there. Um, it's on actually, the wall. like I've yeah. abandoned, we've abandoned a lot of that stuff. Um, we came up, so we did a, a sort of introspection uh, about five years back. A lot of our, I guess, agency practices were, were similar to how they are now, but the introspection, uh, we kept hearing from people that uh, we're a great place to work and we care about people. And then we went out to our clients and they said that the same thing, like you guys just work for us. Like you just care that we have a deadline and that you're gonna get it done. And we kept hearing that concept of caring and, I think the aha moment for us is that we figured out that we could take that and actually help our customers, which in general are, are larger brands. Um, that's just where more of our specialty or our, our niches. Um, so large companies, but we could actually help them understand that they can care for their consumer in the same way that we try and care for employees and clients and, and other people in our lives. And we came up with this concept called curiosity. You can see it all over our website and, and elsewhere. But this idea of being caring and curious about people so that, that, you know, you talked about learning, right? And so how are we curious about people and doing that to actually drive business results? And we figured out that there's a lot of different things we can do, again, that are tangible, not just, you know, not just the touchy feely, but the tangible side of it, where we can actually, even for a Pepsi product, for instance, is how do we actually connect with the customer and understand how a bag of chips plays a role in the customer's life, right? And, and um, or we'll work with baby formula company like Enfamil and figure out how, you know, how can we help a mom through her journey, her, through her pregnancy journey or after she has her baby, um, through all the different challenges that anyone who's who's had a child um, has has witnessed, and if we're there for if the brand can be there for the customer and have this genuine care, just like I've, we've talked about as far as building company culture, then the customer will um, start to buy from you because they'll trust you and they know that you're putting them first, not your product first. Exactly. I mean, you know, all this is, you know, there is a reason to do this. There's also a good financial reason to do this. People will buy more widgets if they realize that like, if the people believe that the widgets are coming from a place of caring and not just, I'm an evil capitalist. Like, you know, it's, I always say like one of the most important things about inclusivity is that when you're inclusive, it means you include more people to include more dollars for you. It's not hard. <laughs> um, um, it, it helps people figure it out along the way. So, you know, looking back on, you know, your, your, your kind of a career experience, what do you think it was a challenge that you faced? You're like, there's no way I'm getting through this. And then you did. I think joining BAM was a huge uh, challenge. Obviously there's been other probably more serious challenges. Um, but, but from a, from a pure business standpoint, coming in uh, to a company that, uh, had a culture already and trying to put your imprint on it for me was a huge um, 
learning experience challenge uh, same lesson that I've talked about over and over so I won't I won't keep repeating it but I think um, for me that was uh, definitely a stressful dramatic time where you're trying to figure out people and people are trying to figure out you um, and at the end of the day you just have to I guess believe that what you believe in is is right um, because you're not necessarily at the point where you have, you know, your, your 50 supporters yet. <laughs> and I think the, uh, the satisfaction I would have now is looking back and saying, wow, there's followers now, or there's people, and I don't mean that in a, in a egotistical way, but there's people who've bought into this concept and there's people who love it as well as, as much as I love it. Um, and so I think that's, for me been been um, incredibly um, satisfying. Awesome. So speaking of satisfying, and this I'm, I'm very curious to see what your answer is gonna be for this one is, what do you do for self-care? <laughs> COVID's changed a lot. So um, I, so I've always been very active. So exercise for me is, is very, very important. Um, my family in general is really important. So I'm, I've luckily ended up in, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a suburb guy in the suburbs of <laughs> Montreal and luckily uh, live about five minutes from my parents. And I live about five minutes from each of my brothers. I, I mean, I'm the youngest of three boys. So, uh, which comes with cousins and, and a uh, bunch of other family members and friends all around us. And so for me, those two things are, are critical. Um, so definitely was feeling a little bit of the pain during during lockdowns and things of that nature when you're like, can I even go to my my parents, you know? And so oh man, yeah, I, I take my I actually have three boys as well, and I would take my my little boys to see my parents. Like, you know, we'd stay you know thirty feet away, and they'd stand at their back door. <laughs> um, and so that for me is are, are two really important things. Um, I meditate daily, actually, so that became a big part of my. I guess, self-care practice. I, I had meditated, I guess, uh, historically on and off, um, but I got a lot more into it in the last year and, and sort of, I, I call it a superpower actually. So I think um, it's, it's, it's very difficult to explain. And I think people often go to meditation to solve like a, an immediate problem, but it's actually the long, term effects of meditation that's uh really cool just that concept of being present and so those those three things for me are, are critically important and and i guess my part of my self-care um practices well they're key i mean uh, similarly i <coughs> wasn't a big meditation person had done it on and off for years and you know what i found especially during covid times which was obviously insanely stressful was to have you know have a routine when you don't have a routine anymore and so having the ability to sort of meditate first thing in the morning and know that that was the thing i was going to do before anything else just became super helpful in trying to navigate a very unusual world and you know you guys were in canada here in new york our lockdown was like the movie i am legend and like <laughs> so it was quite the uh, ghost town in a very odd and very weird and ominous ways. And so, yeah, it was a 
very bizarre time. So totally get it. Um, and yeah, all kinds of new exercises that I started taking up because I'm like, well, yes, I'm what else do I have to do? <laughs> Not like I can I can produce events right now because uh can't go outside. So yeah. Uh, this bike is going to be my new best friend. And so, yeah. And it was sort of a helpful time to be able to identify what's, what you're thankful for. Right. And that's, I think the, uh, the cool thing. Um, like we're about to open our office and it's, it's not going to be the experience that people are used to that people who have been here were used to, but I think everyone's, anyone who wants to come in is going to be so thankful for just being able to be here. <laughs> um, the ping pong table may not be open, but um, you know, that, that. Oh, lawn, no ping pong table. Come on. Oh, but uh, yeah. So, so interesting. And just our change of uh, the relative nature of what we appreciate So. Yeah. It's wow. Yeah. It, it's such, it's such a crazy time, but yeah, you know what? We're going to, we're going to make it all work. And I think that's the key about all of this is that folks, you know, can understand that the world's changed and we accept it. And, and those who are, and you know, we're, we're still all in this together. There is a sort of collective, you know, there was a great article um, this week about, you know, what, what happened in New York and, you know, why folks stayed and like how we sort of kind of bet, uh, kind of had a sort of collective, like we're going to make it through. And I think, you know, Globally, we've had that kind of the same thing. Like, you know, we've all been through something unique, weird, woefully traumatic. Um, and as a result of that, we're hopefully changed for the better. Um, and hopefully, you know, do more caring, we hope, fingers crossed, um, about the people who are around us. Um, and, you know, thinking about all that, you know, and the world we live in now and all the things we've done and, you know, you working in the .com boom and being here during, on 9-11. What do you think you tell 25-year-old mm, Lon? I mean, I guess, again, same lesson, which is just, um, I guess, put, put people first, um, put people ahead of yourself. Um, and, and I think you'll, you'll get a lot more out of life than, than if you don't do that. Um, I think that's really the key and figure out and it, it it takes effort to figure out how to do that or or to figure out how you figure yourself out enough to do that genuinely um and once you do that uh, i think all the relationships and everything you're sort of seeking will, will start to come to you uh, because people will feel great when they're around you and when people feel great when they're around you they they want more of that and so I guess that would be my my message to anyone and definitely the 25 year old me. Awesome. So it's now almost October 2021. Um, where do you see BAM going in 2022? Like offices are opening up back or you know, bringing down restrictions. Like I, I saw friends who went to Montreal for poutine last <laughs> weekend. So like the world's opening back up. Yeah. Where do you see you guys in the next year? I think um, hopefully more of the same in, in some ways. Um, hopefully a lot more seeing people. Uh, that would be great. We're, we're starting to talk about like our holiday party and Ah. we've we've had these great holiday parties and I'm you know as a as a business owner I'm like I, I don't think I, I, I can like 
you know, responsibly plan a, a big party in a hotel. Um, <laughs> but right. how do we see people in person? And, and it's, you know, as you guys have in New York and Montreal is even a little tougher from a weather standpoint, like the, the amazing park meetups and stuff we've been able to do in the, in the summer and spring and, and a little, it will continue into the fall for sure. But even today it was pretty chilly out and I tried to eat lunch outside with a friend and it, it's, it's um it poses different challenges and so i think for us in the next 12 months is figuring out how do we um get some human to human connection because i'm not sure that's going to be in the office all the time but i do think it's important um and so that's one of the big focuses and the, the other one is that we have a a much more spread out workforce than we used to because we just stopped only hiring here in all honesty so we have, uh, you know, five to 10 people in the New York area. We have uh, 10 or so in the Toronto area. We have someone in Costa Rica. We have someone in Austin. Um, we have someone in France. So there's people all over now. And uh, I think we would have been concerned about this before, which is just how do we pull them in and include them and make them part of the culture. and. I think hopefully that's going to come with them being able to fly and and see us. So they'll come to fly in to see you, hopefully. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be, you know, I drove to Ottawa, which is, you know, an hour or so away from here, an hour and a half away from here. And we just had coffee with people just not to talk about work, but just to say hi and see people in person. And I think that's, for me, the focus and obviously continuing to grow and do good work, but everyone's going to say that. So I think our focus uh, is is to continue to figure out how to how to do that with people. And I'm I'm assuming we're going to get more people that aren't going to be in this office and aren't going to be here in Montreal. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like you know, I, I we started to get those calls about can we do someone's holiday party for, for their event, and I'm like, well, <laughs> um, options are heated tent heated dome uh so that you know in big yeah. space are probably the things you're going to be able to do or company retreat somewhere warm outside so there's also that um i like it <laughs> hey listen i come with solutions on i come with solutions. um uh but yeah i mean it's we, we, we've hit that we've hit that window now where folks are kind of in, in in the in between like we've opened we've not opened but we do want our employees to come back and see each other because some folks have never met their you know the colleagues they're talking to every single day they have no idea how tall they are or if they you know, like, do you have legs i don't know um are you a centaur or a human i, I don't know um so because you don't know if i'm sitting in these little zoom squares so it'll be interesting to see how it, it all kind of shakes out and, you know, we're honestly erring on the side of go somewhere else or, or it's kind of what you said, like fly to different leadership flies and has little kind of pod parties with different constituencies um, because it'll be a little bit safer just because at least here in the US, yeah. we have some issues. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think um, one of the things I try and tell people is that, unfortunately, as much as we want this to be over and we think we're moving on, I, I just don't think it's over yet. And that doesn't mean I think there's going to be more COVID or not. Uh, we don't need to even get into that debate. I think the point is, is that think of how much has changed in the last 18 months. 
how much even our opinions are uh, 18 months ago or 12 months ago, I thought working from home was the greatest thing. And, and this month I've been in the office almost every week, every day, right? Because my opinion and my sentiment has changed. And so um, I think we need to leave a lot of space and a lot of flexibility for that. Um, probably forever. And maybe that's one of the ways the world has changed is just, we need to be more flexible and adaptable. Um, but definitely, you know, in the next six to 12 months, I think that's going to still be a theme is that, you know, people keep talking in sort of these um, uh, absolutes, like work from home is going to be the thing in the future. I just don't know that we're there and can say that yet. I think we'll, we'll see. Um, let's be flexible now and support people and do what they need to uh, make sure our company is successful. Oh yeah, that, that's the thing. I think the, the, the whole thing is that everyone's constituents see or what you thought you'd be doing. Oh, isn't it awesome work from home? No, it's not. Like, it, you know, all has changed. I mean, also business travel. I mean, I spent, you know, the better part of nine years on planes <laughs> um, wow. basically every other month. And now I'm like, wait, what? I can <laughs> do this all from my desk and actually make more money? okay, why did I need to fly all that time? Who am I going to fly for? Like, I you know, it'll be interesting to see how the airline industry responds because, you know, business travel was a huge money driver. And like, I don't think you're going to get back the, you know, your million mile folks um, that you, that have been sitting at home for the past year. Even the ones that they want to get out, they want to get out. Yeah, your view on things, but also, you know, folks behavior has changed like yeah i'm gonna shut off at five like i can't sit you know for back-to-back -back zoom calls all day long so at five i'm closing my laptop yeah so and obviously mental health the openness the ability for folks to actually kind of say listen nope can't do this need to walk away for a little bit and you know we seen it recently with a couple of our clients and you know and and vendors and it's like yeah listen Put yourself first, take care of yourself. We are not carrying cancer here. Um, we want folks to be well. And I think that's one of the probably best things that's come out of this is the ability for folks to at least be more honest and open to the degree that they feel comfortable with this. Um, and for employers to be like, we get it. Um, and you know, healthy employees means not just physical, but your mental health. Uh, for sure. And I think, you know, you said it earlier, but um, just this, uh, <laughs> the fortunate or unfortunate, I think long-term fortunate is that I think a big shift is that the leaders themselves faced a lot of the same problems, being trapped in their homes, having mental health challenges, and they, again, fortunately or unfortunately, they are now much more empathetic to uh, potentially what other people were going through. And so not to say that leaders never had these issues before, but I think more of them have now experienced them. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. It's, it's experienced them and realize that like, you're also human. Cause I think sure. we, I think that the biggest part of us is all is that we're no, we've, I think we've acknowledged now that we're no, no longer superheroes. And that rest is actually kind of a, a is your superpower. And as opposed to like, Work, 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 work. It's getting that rest um, and taking that time because we're not robots um, and we weren't built to be that way. So uh, here's hoping for a much better and more positive future.
Uh, and with that, my last question, um, do you have a give and throw an ask of the audience? Um, yeah, I think it's just to, again, I, what, I, what same advice I gave my, my, <laughs> my 25 year old self, which is just to take time to put other people first. Um, and I think you'll find that you'll get, you'll end up getting a lot of fulfillment and it will feel like you're putting yourself first, but you'll actually be, be doing good for others as well. So that would be my, uh, my give. <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. Well, Lon, it's been such a delight chatting with you. You just, they're full of wonderful empathy and curiosity, and it's still a delight to, to hear from you all the way from Canada. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us in the podcast today. And we'll put your details in the show notes for folks to connect with you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Laura. It's been fun. Awesome. And that is our show.